This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Munganess St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Welcome to the show. Let's start with the wonderful news before we get to Cardinals manager Mike Schilt from Hall of Fame writer Rick Hummel, who wrote in the Post-Dispatch today the top fold, above the fold picture in the sports section is of Bob Gibson, the greatest Cardinals pitcher of all time. And he writes that the Cardinals grade is now pain-free and says he would have been at this year's home opener. A wonderful story about Gibson who is fighting cancer, and cancer messed with the wrong guy, didn't it? He is absolutely phenomenal. He's been receiving chemo, but has not been receiving treatment as often because he is pain-free. He is doing better. He is responding well. He's not feeling as sick. He's actually playing the piano and learning a couple of things on the side. And it's really a neat story where you hear some of the quick wit of Gibson with a tribute to Bob Gibson right now. I thought it would be appropriate to play some of his greatest highlights here on KMOX. Kurt, take a look at the Cardinal dugout. All the players up on the top step. Clapping their hands, yelling encouragement out to Gibson. Two balls and two strikes to Pepitone. Tommy Tresh is on deck. Here's the delivery. There's a ball hit off Gibson's glove. He runs over, picks it up, throws. Oh, at first base. At first, the Yankees are arguing. Gibson is hit on the back or on the hip. And the Yankees are really arguing with Al Smith of the American League on that one. Yogi Berra. And the Cardinals are concerned about Gibson as Pepitone hit a wicked smash to the mound. It caromed off Bob Gibson's right hip or the small of his back. Rolled all the way to the third base foul line. Gibson made one of the greatest fielding plays I've ever seen a pitcher make. He ran over there, picked that ball up, and while falling backwards, flipped the ball to first base and got Pepitone by an eyelash. Gibson has tied the record of Sandy Koufax. 15 strikeouts in a single World Series game. Trying for number 16 right now against Cash to break the record. He takes his set position. He delivers. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. He did it. Great ovation. 
ovation for Gibson, setting the new World Series mark, 16 strikeouts in a game. Two down to the ninth inning, Horton the batter. Cardinals lead 4-0. The Tigers have Stanley at first. And two down to the ninth inning. Horton waiting. Here it comes. It's a strike. That's number 17. The game's over. The Cardinals win. You struck out 17, setting a new World Series record. It's fantastic. I mean, the fans just stood and cheered you, and that must be your most thrilling moment in sports. You've had many. Well, I, I guess so. I didn't know what they were cheering about, and uh, Tim came out in front of the plate, and I just turned around and looked at the scoreboard. I, uh, I had no idea. Bob Gibson, congratulations once again. Thank you so much. It's a masterful performance once again. Thank you very much. Two men out. Nobody on. Bottom of the ninth. 11 to nothing Cardinals. One and one on Stargell. The pitch on the way, and a swing and a miss, strike two, a good low-breaking ball. And Gibson is one strike away from the no-hitter. He takes off his cap. He mops his brow. He looks in and gets the side. He starts the windup. Here's the pitch, and it's a strike called. A no-hitter for Gibson. Simmons roars to the mound. Embraces Gibson, who's engulfed by his teammates. Cardinals win the game 11 to nothing. 25 players pound Bob Gibson for a tremendous effort here tonight. A call third strike to Willie Stargell ended it. And Gibson, who has done everything else in the book, except a no-hitter, got it here tonight. Again, great news about Bob Gibson feeling better as he fights cancer, pain-free in the post-dispatch story from Rick Hummel. I think it's very much worth a read. We'll talk about that and more with Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, joins us next, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. The following is a special presentation of Sports on a Sunday Morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. We are live at 1015. It is great to be with you on KMOX Radio. And joining us on the line is the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, the 2019 National League Manager of the Year, Mike Schultz. Mike, how are you this morning? Doing great, Tom. How about yourself, sir? Doing great. Always good to hear your voice. How are things uh, in your area? You've remained in Florida, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We're down in uh, Florida and you know, we're doing as well as to be expected. We're uh, enjoying our quality time together and, um, you know, just doing the best we can and enjoying each other's company. That's good to hear. He's uh, with his wife, Michelle, and uh, they're great uh, girls. And uh, it's just uh, always great to hear from you and, and hear your voice and talk some ball again. I talked to you yesterday. We're just going to have a nice laid-back hour of ball talk, and we can definitely welcome people to join in. If you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at KMOX Sports or at my Twitter handle, which is Ackerman1120. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question to Mike Schild, happy to do it. Uh, but uh, first off, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, So because I haven't talked to you this morning. But uh, the front page of the Post-Dispatch, our good friend, the Hall of Fame writer Rick Hummel, writing that Bob Gibson is pain-free right now as he continues to battle cancer. He says that he felt so good that he would have been at the home opener last week uh, had there been one. And he's actually feeling good in that. Again, no pain. He doesn't have the stomach aches and back aches that he had, but he is receiving chemo treatment. But the 84-year-old is also playing piano. He's uh, learning online how to do that. He's spending some time. He can't wait to catch up with some baseball. 
Uh, he watches a lot of TV. It's the, some of the lines in the story are just classic Gibson, the quick wit and, uh, and fun, uh, competitive attitude. It's just great to hear that Bob Gibson is doing well, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it's really uplifting. Um, saw this, saw the article, um, and just excited for Bob and the fact that he's pain free and healthy and not a surprise as great a competitor as we know he is that he's been able to to take this on as well as he had and to come out what looks to be on a on a good side of it and we keep him in our prayers. What's when you think of Bob Gibson the pitcher, what do you think of? What when did you first take notice of the great Bob Gibson? Well, you know, you grow up and you're aware of Bob Gibson as just a a person who enjoys and appreciates the game of baseball, legendary um iconic player in our game and and then you get a chance to to meet him and and talk to him and and really there's no particular story that stands out there's many of them i've had some really positive conversations with him and just be able to hear how he thought about things how he approached things where his um competitive spirit where his emotional how high his emotional iq was during competition um and just the, the fierceness that in which he competed but also um, clearly a great athlete, you know, as a Harlem Globetrotter for a period of time, but, but also really when you talk to him, you realize just how smart, how well he saw the game. Um, it was just an impressive man. I had one of my first assignments as a young man was to go find Bob Gibson and interview him. There was a uh, screening of an HBO documentary about baseball in the 60s, and they said, Gibson's going to be there. Camelwax sent me with a microphone and said, can you find him an interview? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm like 20. 20- three, 24 years old, right? So I go into this crowd and I go right up to Mr. Gibson and asked him for an interview. And he said, sure, I'll do that with you. And he walks over with me and we sit down at this table. And I said, Mr. Gibson, when you look back at this documentary and you think about all of those times, were there ever uh, any times where you felt intimidated or uh, I forget how I worded it, but something along those lines, he stared a a hole through me and he goes, no, (laughs) that was like the first answer. And then he, then he smiled and loosened up. He's like, I'm just playing with you. He's like, you know, I'll tell you what he's like, Hank Aaron was always tough. You know, Hank Aaron was one of those. And I've heard him tell the story, Mike, where somebody did ask him, Hank Aaron, uh, who was the toughest hitter you ever faced? And he said, Hank Aaron, he goes, I, I, I swear every time there was a big moment, Hank Aaron was up. I thought he was cheating, that he came up eight or nine times in a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great story. Um, you know, what a gracious man, similar deal. You know, you talk to him, and like like all Cardinals coming back, but even including the the Cardinals of, of um, you know, the Mutual and Red and Lou and Mr. Gibson. And, you know, you talk to them, and they're so gracious with their time and so sincere about wanting to help the – the next generation of Cardinals and just fine gentlemen, obviously tremendous players. Yeah, so much fun. You think about uh, those great names, and we talked about that at the home opener, what would have been with all those players, but we know that when we do have that first baseball game, it is going to be incredible. Uh, Mike Schild, uh, think about this. The great pitchers that you ever witnessed, we talked about Gibson. I thought about who you watched growing up, who were some of the best pitchers that you remember from your time growing up in North Carolina? Uh, wow. That's a, that's a tough one. You know, I grew up, um, in the double A clubhouse with the Orioles. So I was a little more tuned into that organization. Um, and they were pretty pitching heavy. Palmer was, 
um, right towards the middle to the working towards the end of his greatness. Um, always appreciated. Um, cause he had just a different repertoire. He would have been, um, the modern day game would have really appreciated Jim Palmer. Regardless, really, the era of baseball would appreciate Jim Palmer. But, you know, he had that riding fastball up, um, which I'm pretty sure it had a high spin rate. <laughs> and then he had a great, you know, big 12-6 curveball that I'm pretty sure also had a great spin rate. Um, all, all I knew was it, it, it just had a lot of life to it, had a really good um, depth to his breaking ball. Um, always appreciated watching Mad Dog's brother pitch, Greg Maddox. Just the the art of pitching, uh, understanding of pitching, um, and the competitiveness that he did demonstrated. So, those are a couple of the guys growing up that, that initially stick out to me. 1966, Game Two of the World Series at Dodger Stadium. Jim Palmer won a complete game World Series shutout. Game Two of the World Series against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. He was 20 years old. He became the youngest pitcher to do that. And on the other side. They swept, by the way, the Dodgers. On the other side was Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale. Wow. I mean, that's big time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, those are legendary names. And, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that, that quite a talent, quite a talent. Those Orioles teams, and you got to know Cal Ripken Jr. quite well. Tell us uh, your favorite things about Cal. Oh, gosh. Um, at 12 years old, he was 19 in AA in Charlotte, 1980 team that won the Southern League Championship. Cal actually played third um, every day. Didn't really get to break into shortstop until he got the big leagues and Earl moved him to short. Uh, he wore number 12. Didn't have number 8 yet. Um, but the biggest thing that stood out to me was Cal was the first one to come in every day. And it wasn't the fact that he was just early. I mean, that was impressive, but every day he was the first guy in the clubhouse. But it was how he went about being there. He wasn't just there to be there. He was there with a sense of purpose. Um so it really resonated to me because he'd come in, he would um, say hello, of course, um, and we'd talk a little bit, not long, but just, you know, and that was a highlight. And I kind of got in the rhythm when Cal was going to come in. I always made sure I was in the clubhouse. And so, and then he would get, you know, get dressed and he'd check in on a few people and get loose and he'd go out and he'd really get after his ground ball routine. Um, and about once every, you know, couple weeks or so, he'd let me come in and asked me to get some ground balls with him, which was cool. But almost virtually every day he came in and, and got his work. And I always just appreciated that he worked with that sense of purpose. Um, he wasn't just doing it. He was, I mean, he had a real clarity of what he was doing, how he was doing it, why he was doing it. It was, there was a lot of specificity. Same thing with his early work with his batting practice. Um, and I just, just, just stuck out to me. Just, and then, he played every day of that season as well. Played every day. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but played a lot. Played every day the following year in Rochester. Um, and, and you know, the summers in Charlotte were to be brutally hot. And it didn't matter. He'd, he'd show up. He'd play. He'd get his early work in. And um, so there's no surprise um, that he was able to be so consistent and, and um, dedicated to his career during his career. Wow. That, that's, uh, in 1980, was with Charlotte, where Mike Schilt was, the Charlotte O's. And in 81, Rochester's the AAA team. Uh, and uh, how about this, this, this longest professional baseball game at Rochester? 33 innings. Yep. That's just incredible. I mean, 33 innings, 
Wade Boggs was in that game. So the Orioles in 81, uh, he makes his way up. And the World Championship year in 1983, where he was the AL MVP, tell us how special that was for the Orioles franchise to get things back together. Yeah, you know, the Orioles, um, when they left, and the Browns went to Baltimore. They were the winningest organization from 54 to 79 mm-hmm. in, during that 25-year period in all of baseball. Um, and so I was really blessed to be able to bring in an area and a group that was um, – and look, don't make, let me misrepresent this. Nothing's like the Cardinal organization, right. you know, the history and the tradition. But it was – it was when I got to the Cardinal organization, it reminded me of that um, – but to, to the next several degrees. And, and what I'm getting at is the continuity of the instruction, the people. There were people there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that organization. Cal Sr. had been there for 30, 40 years. You know, the managers, the instructors, the big league staff. Of course, Oral Weaver had been there for a long period of time. I read a nice article about him this morning um, by Tim Kirchin. Um And so, you know, 83 comes, and I actually went up there my aunt had passed away, my aunt Becky. And, and because we had the relationship, I went over to the clubhouse game one of the uh, championship series. There's no division series back then. The champion series, championship series against ironically enough, uh, the white Sox who was managed by Tony. Um, so I go in the clubhouse, John Shelby center fielder, you know, still a family friend, um, brings me to the clubhouse. I catch up with some of the guys and, one guy I didn't catch up with, which was cool, was was Cal Ripken and Cal. And so I'm leaving to go to the clubhouse, and Cal was doing an interview. And I go by some clubhouse back in the Memorial Stadium was really pretty tiny, um, kind of like the visiting clubhouse in Wrigley. And and so I'm leaving, and Cal sticks his hand out and puts his hand on my chest, and um, you know, makes motions for me to you know stop for a second. Just done with his radio interview. He says, Mike, how you been? I said, pretty pretty good. You know, how, how you been? Like, stupid question. Um, and uh, he said, I'm introducing my, uh, our radio guy. It was John Miller. Um, wow. Was doing radio time. And he was, hey, little fella, how you doing? And I was like, good. How you doing? You know? <laughs> and um, so me and Kyle just catch up. And you know, I hadn't seen him in, in four years. And he was just really gracious of him. And the next time I saw him was in the year 2000 is the 20 year reunion of that championship club. And he walked right in 17 years later, came right up to me and says, Mike, how you been? I'm like, who is this guy? You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, a lot of good stories with Cal. Isn't that so cool? These guys that, uh, like a Cal Ripken who take the time. So I did a show with him recently at the Ritz here in St. Louis. We did a men's group against cancer dinner. I actually texted you and told you that we were going to do that together. And, um, he was so good. I mean, he got up and spoke to the crowd and talked about life and really gave everything he had. I mean, he was, you know, his forehead was sweating by the time he was done because he talked with such passion to the crowd about life and about his baseball career. And I helped him with some questions from the crowd. And when it was over, I went up to him and I said, excuse me, Cal, but before you go, would it be okay to take a picture with you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. Here, uh, have the, have this guy uh, take the picture. So he takes the picture and Cal goes, Let's take a look. He goes, ah, that's not good enough. You know what? He goes, come back here with me. And we went back to this private room in the back of the Ritz so that the picture would look great. You know, that was just him. He wanted this picture to look good, and, and it was 
just a special thing for me. Um, Tony LaRusa has been a very special person in my life, and I know in yours. When we come back, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame Cardinals manager with Mike Schilt. The Cardinals skipper is with us. It's 1029. It's the Mike Schilt Show. We'll take a break. Come back with more right after this. Now, back to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to the show, 1033 on this Sunday morning, the Mike Schilt Show, and the Cardinals manager is with us from Florida, Tom Ackerman here in St. Louis. And uh, Mike, Tony LaRusso, you mentioned him in the last segment. We were talking about those Orioles days. I've been waiting for a while to, to reminisce about those Orioles days with you, and I really appreciate that. And, and in 83, uh, you talked about, uh, in the early 80s, about going up against Tony La Russa when the O's took on the White Sox, and La Russa was the skipper of that franchise. He went on, of course, and won world championship with the Oakland A's. And then in St. Louis, he won in 06 and in 11 with the Cardinals. And I know that the two of you got to know each other early on. Tell us about your first interactions with Tony La Russa and the Cardinals organization. Yeah, I always appreciated and uh, respected and admired Tony from afar. He's one of the guys I studied for years in my early career. And, and so I get the organization and pretty heavy to start to get to interact with him. My first interaction on a daily basis um, or consistent basis was in 2008. Um, it was the first year I was given the responsibility to coordinate our, our minor league spring training. And I hadn't met Tony really other than through just a in a passing line through one of the World Series um, galas. And so I show up, and, and uh, he couldn't have been more gracious. And I coordinated with him and his staff um, for, you know, from 2008 through 2011 on spring training and then other things during the course of the year, uh, extended spring trainings and some of the rehab stuff going on with, like, Chris Carpenter and some of that group. But, uh, you know, always gracious the first two years, Tom. I really candidly um, – just want to make sure that my odds are dotted, T's are crossed. So, um, and always had these questions I wanted to have for him or thoughts or, um, and, and the intimidation wasn't from him. It was, it was my own. It was um, just one, again, make sure I was doing my part to make sure that my job was being done well and he was getting what he needed and their staff and the players and so forth. So finally in year three, I got the internal courage to, to start to um, interact with him a little more and, and finally said, you know, i got a question for you. And he said, okay, let, let me hear it. And so I asked him the question. Can't really even recall what it is, unbelievably. But um, I asked him, and a little anxious that he would say, like, gosh, darn it, you don't know that, or I can't believe you're asking me that, or, you know, or give me some short, quick answer. Um, and he said, you know what, let me, let me think about that. Um, let me get back to you tomorrow on it. I said, okay. So I think about it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I just ask? You know? um, and so the next day, it, you know, the day's over and, you know, spring training game's over. And he says, uh, hey, listen, uh, you got a second. I'm like, uh, sure, Skipper. And he, he said, sit down. And we talked for 20 minutes. And 15 of those were him giving me layers of answers to the question that I asked. Wow. And, and since then, I've had – multiple conversations with Tony where I've thankfully been comfortable enough to ask him something or to share something. And as I've gotten in this job I'm currently in, there's very, very few people that can really relate to what or have the experiences that what you're going through. So he's, he's was always been valuable. He, he, 
he's even more valuable, I would say, now. Um, but he's just always been really, really super gracious. And, and the other thing that, you know, is worth sharing probably is, is you get truth from Tony. Um, he's not going to allow you to, to give some kind of excuse, not that I do a lot or really have, but he's going to hold you accountable. Um, he's very sincere in what he says. Um, but he's also really, as to no surprise, the people that have followed him, everything he says is going to be well thought out with, with, you know, real serious intentionality. Always tells it to you straight and always with the goodness of the organization in mind. He's absolutely competitive to, uh, to the uh, 100th degree. I mean, he was just... And still is, I'm sure, in in some ways, uh, looking for greatness in everything that he does. You know, I mean, he would get he would get wound up uh, before a game, and you just knew that it was because you know, everything on his mind right now is to win that ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not only the the um, appreciation, the respect um, for the organization, which he has immeasurably. And I, I, you know, I've spoken to him about it when he first got here. How sincere he wanted to be about making sure he kept the, the, the quality greatness the, and just be a good steward of the organization, similar to exactly what I would like to be able to do. Just be a good steward of the Cardinal organization. But Tony's also very, very intentional about the integrity of the game. Very sincere about making sure the integrity of the game is respected. Um, it's carried on. So there's a, there's a conversation accountability when we have those about really primarily those two things. What about Dave Duncan, the longtime Cardinals pitching coach, who many believe could be the best pitching coach ever? Yes, I, I Dunk was uh, was fantastic to me. For me, Dunk was like John Wayne, big, you know, strong, silent, um, tough guy. And but and but Dunk would, for whatever reason, Dunk was comfortable with me. And would talk with me, and, and I learned a lot from Dunk as well. Um, again, a, I mean, a complete straight shooter, um, and he could he could see see through people and their agendas and uh, what they were trying to accomplish. And also a brilliant baseball guy. Why? And hopefully one day the Hall of Fame will will expand their horizons to to put people in like Dave Dunk, Duncan, um, George Kissel, people that have dedicated themselves that, that were elite in moving the game of baseball forward. And Dunk was Dunk's one of those guys, but, but really brilliant. Um, was way ahead of similar to Tony. They both were. I mean, it was what a duo. Because um, both of them were just ahead of where the curve was at the time of the game, the era of the game. You know, that's – and I can't – I won't speak for Tony. It will be ridiculous. But having had conversations with him and, and Dunk, they were both doing things like analytically now people think, Oh well, this is something new to the game, or and they've expanded analytics in baseball. Um, the metrics have have evolved the game and given us a, a, some more clarity and a different perspective in how to look at it, analyze it. But Dunk was Dunk was ahead of that curve. Dunk was on a lot of those things already. Um, you know, as far as pitch usage, um, you know, as far as separating your pitches, um, the, the balance of it, the advanced scouting. I mean, Dunk was Dunk was on it. 
That's really great to hear. The 2011 team, uh, we're going to continue to highlight that today. We have another game today at noon. And this is the game, Mike, where the Cardinals start playing the Atlanta Braves. Now, this is September 9th, 2011. So suddenly you wake up in the morning, you look at the standings. Cardinals are six and a half back in the wild card. Uh Uh-oh. And the Braves are the wild card leader, and they're in town. And the Cardinals are starting to get hot. That was a fun time, wasn't it? Where We talked last week about... The belief started to come. Well, now you really believe, don't you, in that clubhouse as the Cardinals are starting to put their foot on the gas? Yeah, and you, know, you just see it coming. We alluded to it last week, and, you know, it was a group that was super dedicate, dedicated to um, to winning. And you had a talented team, and you had a team that was sincere about wanting to, to, to win, um, and they were going to fight, scratch, and call for everything that took place in competition prior to the game, during the game. And um, so you knew that they would be just fine if they just kept going about it in the manner that they, with the habits that they had. It was just, you know, this is a group that had success, you know, prior to that too. Um, you know, it wasn't like this group just decided they knew how to win baseball games. Um, so they just stay, they stayed with it. And when you saw it kind of click, and you know, you said, okay, here we here we go. Um, they're 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 going to take off, and of course they did. That game is at noon today. We have a game every day on KMOX, 6.15 Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Saturday, noon on Sundays. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back for a final segment with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. It's the Mike Schilt Show on the home of the Cardinals, KMOX. Now, back to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. It's 1047. It is great to talk some baseball with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. Tom Ackerman with you on the Mike Schilt Show. It has been fun to reminisce. We've talked a little bit about Bob Gibson. and Again, that great news from Rick Hummel of the Post-Dispatch that Mr. Gibson is doing well. He is pain-free. He is uh, resting comfortably as he continues to receive cancer treatment. But he says he feels so good that he would have been at the home opener at Bush Stadium. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. I mean, can you imagine, Mike, what that would have been like to have Bob Gibson climb out of that car and uh, stand behind home plate after all that he's been through? Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a a special day as it is. It made even more special. It would have been uh, just magic. We also talked about the Orioles and Jim Palmer and Cal Ripken, and we discussed Tony LaRussa and Dave Duncan on the show. At any time, you can use our Radio.com feature and hit the Rewind uh, feature there on that Radio.com app, and you can listen back to everything that we talked about. Mike, let's talk about your club. You liked the look of your team in spring training. You played, what, 30 of the 40 games, some uh, 30 of 40 some uh, days, something along those lines, 30 of the 40 days of of competition and from what you saw across the board we discussed last week especially from an offensive standpoint I wanted to ask you about pitching kind of staying on that theme for this show and what you saw from your rotation now uh, Jack Flaherty who has been in contact with Mr. Gibson through the last couple of years uh, is wise for his age isn't he I guess that's the best thing I could say about him outside of his dynamic pitching but he is some competitor some athlete some student of the game yeah, total package. Um, wonderful physical skill set, um, evolving, but but definitely um, high level um, emotional skill set as well. Um, and he's got this wonderful ability. He's, he's got a hunger for greatness. He loves to compete. Um, and, and what I appreciate about Jack is not only his strong desire to compete when he's out there every five days, but also he's um, he's into the competition. He wants us to win 
um, regardless whether he's pitching or not. And so it's really impressed that he's been able to take advantage and, and be smart enough to be willing and open to to seek out the guidance and then be receptive to it from, from a gentleman, an icon like Bob Gibson. Dakota Hudson looked really good to me. I know that uh, through your eyes, you see everything a lot differently than I do. But from what I could tell, Dakota Hudson was really rounding into form. Oh, completely. Just continued to improve. That's all we can ask. And, you know, had a nice year last year, won 16 games for us and um, just did a nice job. Did a wonderful job this spring. Pounded the zone. Um, a um, A lot of strikes, a lot of quality strikes, controlled counts. I mean, this guy controls counts and, and gets ahead and works ahead. Um, you know, you're going to see you're going to see him have a lot of success for us. Dakota, Dakota Hudson, we're talking about there. Carlos Martinez, you talk about stuff. He has it. He's also has been at one point an opening day starter. He was the ace of this staff. Carlos Martinez, your evaluation of him through spring training? Couldn't have been more pleased. You know, you're talking about as you alluded to a previous opening day starter. Um, you know, we got four on, in the rotation. Um, you know, Miles looks like he may be able to get back, but um, we'll see about that. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I don't know where we're going to start. But, you know, Carlos also a two-time All-Star and just couldn't win more please. Came into camp um, in great shape mentally, physically. Um, we, we were really sincere about having attention to detail in any and everything we do. Um, and Carlos was a, was a real – great example of that this spring regardless of what we did whether it was um something as um minute as um working on bunt plays or the bunting um he was engaged every single moment all camp um recovered well just had a really really quality spring and miles michaelis when he does come back there's a reliable pitcher for sure and a durable one and somebody who has been pitched in some big games heck a first playoff game the franchise had had in three or four years he starts game one against the Braves that's what you think of him yeah you know Miles um great years first year um and then the league you know made a little bit of adjustment to him um and then Miles adjusted back and really appreciated the way he pitched and went about things towards the end of the season he really um made a few um adjustments and, and next thing you know he's pitched really well and helped us in that run and and earn the opportunity. I mean, we sat there with Mad Dog and thinking about who would be that game one starter in the Brave series, um, and had a lot of candidates, guys with the proper amount of rest. And um, but you know, we set the, you know, Jack obviously pitched the game that clinched the division um, for us on the final game of the season, so it eliminated him from the equation. But gave Miles the assignment game one against the Braves, and he he answered the bell and threw seven strong and did the same thing um, in the game one against the Nationals. Just came up you know, battling against Sanchez who threw a one hitter. So um but did a great job for us and, and his his recovery from, from his injection has gone well. I spoke with him yesterday. He's in a good place. Again, no timetable, but he's um he's on a good trajectory for us. And then Adam Wainwright in his fifteenth year with the Cardinals, only Yadier Molina has more. In fact, beyond Yadier Molina, only Stan Musial was uh more games than Molina's 17. Bob Gibson also was 17. But Adam Wainwright's longevity and his stuff still there. In fact, that game on March 12th against the Marlins, Claves and I were in the booth. I kept looking over at Claves, mouthing, wow, on his curveball. I mean, he looked he looked awesome in that game, didn't he? Terrific. Vintage Wayno. Um, 
straight attack mode, quality first pitches, you know, big hammer with the curveball for strikes, um, throwing the change up, sprinkling that in to, to complement his other pitches, uh, command everything, just uh, in control. And then finally, you had a lot of pitchers that were in the mix for possibly replacing Michaelis uh, on a temporary basis in the rotation. KK, Daniel Ponce de Leon, and others were battling it out. John Gant looked good too, but in particular, you know, KK and Ponce had uh, you you gave them a lot of innings as an assignment, and they came through for you. All those guys you mentioned, including Austin Gomber. Oh yeah, um, all of them were super sharp. They were they were on point. Um, you know, we had more history with Ponce, uh, but he came in and, and did what we hoped he would do. And Ponce got good stuff. You know, he alluded to the um, working off the high fastball and having a good breaking ball. I mean, Ponce has got two real weapons. He's actually got a couple more, but um, two plus weapons. And it's just about consistency of strike for, for Ponce. And he was, he was really dialed into the strike zone, and the results spoke for themselves. And the pitches, um, he allowed him to work for him in the zone. KK was, was wonderful. Um, you know, I felt like he acclimated really quickly to our environment. Um, real pro, good worker, good athlete, um, picked up on things well, high baseball IQ, and, you know, has uh, multiple pitches to, to be able to compete with. And um, and I've alluded to this, I think, on the show, actually. But, you know, a couple of times he got into trouble, a couple of flares um, found their way in. Um, he really showed the ability to be able to bear down and, and be able to get at it situations which which clearly is a is a positive trait and it seems like you have a lot of depth in that uh, minor league organization including one alex reyes who appeared in a number of relief situations for you uh, he was one of the players who was optioned to memphis but alex still has that arm doesn't he he does you know and 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 you know guys you know we optioned down have to make some roster decisions that doesn't preclude uh, Alex from, from being on the club at any time right. um, because this guy's really, you know, he, he, first of all, he's healthy again, it looks like. He's able to recover well. He, he wasn't limited with any of his activities. Um, he's starting to swing the bat again. So, you know, he, just quality pitches. I mean, he's got a changeup that's as good as any you're going to see. Um, his breaking ball is super sharp, and the life to his fastball was coming back. Um, as you would expect, the command was still – a work in progress, but he's starting to get more repeatability with his secondary pitches. He was definitely on the on the right track. He felt good physically, mentally. Spoke with him the other day. He's still in good shape, feeling good, playing catch, and um, he's a real weapon for us. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager. It has been the Mike Schilt Show on KMOX. Thanks for the time. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thanks, Tom. Have a blessed day. Appreciate you. You too. Lance Berkman, Jake Westbrook, Jason Mott, John Mosaylock, all next hour on KMOX. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.